All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist, and this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. This podcast is made possible by NoCD. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure and response prevention, or ERP therapy, the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. To find out more about NoCD, visit nocd.com. That's nocd.com to book a free 15-minute call. For people in the state of Kentucky, you can go to kentuckyocd.com. That's K-E-N-T-U-C-K-Y-O-C-D.com and book a session with me. Like, we can talk about the idea that thoughts elicit feelings, and that thoughts and feelings shape behavioral choices. That behavioral choices over time with repetition become behavioral patterns. And that behavioral patterns reinforce the ways that we're thinking and feeling in the same old situations. We can talk about that and I think that there's meaning and I think that it's empowering and orienting not just to OCDers and the anxious population in general, but I think it's orienting and empowering to people in general as they look at their patterns and their habits. And in turn, these are reinforcing the ways that they're perceiving themselves in the context of the world. But I think that when you throw in these additional dynamics, all of a sudden people begin to feel lost. A good example of this is illness anxiety disorder. So like people will experience these random and and somewhat innocuous sensations or call them symptoms, symptoms that then receive sort of like uh, obsessional attention and that come to elicit anxiety. And all of a sudden we're not talking about simply thoughts elicit feelings and thoughts and feelings shape behavioral choices because it's like I'm anxious about something that's real. Like there is this skin blemish that I've identified, or there's this feeling of like a, a lump in my throat. I, I know it's there. I can feel it. This isn't something that's in my head, man. This is, this is real, right? There's a numbness or a tingling that I have in my fingers or, or in my forearm, right? There's this persistent cough that's going on. I've got these damn headaches, right? This, this is real. It goes back to that idea of, of facts versus fears. Right? The, the fact is that something is there. Something is empirically observable, right? This persistent cough or, or these headaches that are going on. These are facts, you might say. The fear is that this means that. You follow what I'm meaning to say? That, that the experience of the persistent cough means that I have lung cancer. 
And you see this in lots and lots of, of different OCD subtypes. For example, you see this in like superstitious fears where individuals will will see repeating numbers in the environment, right? Or you see it in this kind of like deja vu idea where I've seen that bus before or I've seen this moment in the past and the fact that I'm seeing this again must mean that something bad is going to happen, right? Something's wrong. I can feel it. I know that that's the case. And, and, and again, you can kind of attach the something's wrong feeling to this empirical observation of repetitive numbers or this deja vu feeling. I've been here before. I've seen that in the past. I know I have. And the fact that I'm seeing it again must mean something. And and I think that you see this in like mental health uh, illness anxiety where individuals will feel this sort of feeling of depersonalization, so-called, and dissociation, right? And they'll have this sort of sense that this is all a simulation, right? I'm just sort of in this simulation reality and none of this is really real, right? And I think that you see it speaking of the last episode in like sexual performance anxiety where individuals will sort of have a sense that their libido is changing or they'll they'll have a sense that, that they're just not as aroused as they should be. And, and, and that must mean that they're not as attracted to their partner as maybe they want to be, or they used to be. And, and something is changing for them. You know, all these kinds of different pieces and parts where you have facts, but then to these facts get attached fears. If you follow what I'm meaning to say, and the facts, you might say this means that, and, and the question really becomes for the OCD or does it, does this really mean that? And in many of these cases, the bridge between this and that is entirely based upon assumption, right? That I have these skin blemishes, fact, and that that means that I have skin cancer, fear. I have these persistent headaches, fact, and that is evidence. I know it is that I have some undiagnosed condition. The doctors just haven't found it yet. Fear. I know I've been here before. I know I've seen that bus in the past. Okay, call that a fact. And that must mean this is deja vu. Chance is trying to tell me that something is wrong. Fear. OCDers have to be able to identify the assumptions that they're making in the context of their obsessions as they interact with the empirical, observable, factual world. And then in relationship to these assumptions, OCDers engage compulsions, behaviors that they're exhibiting for the purpose of trying to manage distress or neutralize feared outcomes, right? They'll engage compulsions in order to somehow affect the future, in order to somehow reduce the fear that this means that. But it's like I've told you, you're never able to eliminate or even reduce uncertainty. You can move it around, but there's always, always uncertainty relative to the situation. There's always assumptions that you're making relative to your intrusive thoughts and, and what they mean and, and what's going to come as a result of this or that and what you're going to do to prevent whatever it might be and the extent to which that's going to be successful. All of this becomes uncertainty. All of this becomes assumptional. 
And all of this drives your anxiety. You might say, well, yeah, but when I do compulsions, you know, I feel better. And I think a lot of OCDers would sort of echo that sentiment. But look, the reality of the situation is the more you're engaging these compulsions so that you can sort of survive the moment, if you will, the more you're fueling the system, it's just coming back. It kind of goes back to that idea that you're feeding the dog and the dog goes away from the table to, to get the food that you threw to the other side of the room. But dude, she's coming back right? She's coming right back because you're teaching her the more she begs, the more she's going to get food. And the OCD similarly is learning the more it throws these obsessions at you and gnaws at you with anxiety, the more you're going to do the compulsion. So you say, well, yeah, I get a, I get a break. I get a second. Yeah, but she's coming right back. If you can tolerate the dog begging and drooling for long enough, eventually she's going to take her ass to the other side of the room without the food, lay down and fall asleep, and you're going to get a long break, a really long break. And in the process, you're teaching her that behavior does nothing for you. That behavior is not getting you what you want. So the next time she begs at the table, she's going to remember this experience. Oh, well, it didn't work last time. And little by little, yeah, she's going to learn this doesn't work and she's going to stop begging. The OCD really does work the same way. It's learning that the more it throws obsessions at you, the more you're going to engage compulsions to get a break. But if you can turn the table and stop engaging the compulsions, recognizing that this may not mean that. Sure, it could. I'm not saying it doesn't. I am saying it very well might not. So as I say, there's a difference between facts and fears. There's a difference between this and that. And the bridge that draws them together is often assumptional. And the more we're engaging compulsions to get our head above water, the more we're teaching the OCD to just come back at us. Well, that's it for another episode of OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have to chrislines04 at gmail.com. If you found the podcast helpful, consider giving it a five-star rating or subscribing to OCD Straight Talk for structured help with your anxiety or OCD symptoms. Thank you.